Sheldon Huddenshield wins in Australia. The National Touring Dirt Late Model season begins tonight, and we go down a big rabbit hole of dirt late model history. Let's go. It's Thursday, January 18th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Very early this morning down under, Sheldon Hoddenshield got a big weekend of sprint car racing going with the victory in the King's Challenge at Borderline Speedway. He started sixth and was after Chase Randall for the lead before halfway. Under a red for a big crash at lap 14, Chase Randall actually bowed out after he broke a front uh, brake caliper. Uh, that gave the lead to Sheldon. He led the rest of the way, lapping, I think, up into the top 10. So pretty, uh, pretty uh, dominating performance. Kerry Madsen and Jai Corbett rounded out the night's podium. It was the first American win at the King's Challenge since Jason Johnson did it in 2012. It was also Sheldon's first win of this Australia trip. With racing at Borderline done, the focus now shifts to Warrnambool and the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic. They'll run split field prelim nights Friday and Saturday with the Classic Finale on Sunday. If you want to watch, uh, like I said on the Daily yesterday, Flow Racing has the coverage for U.S. watchers and then Clayperview has action for the rest of the world. Here in the U.S., the Classic gets started around 1.30 a.m. Eastern, late tonight or early tomorrow morning, however you want to you know, kind of classify it. If you want to see highlights from Borderline, go find the Clayperview YouTube channel or Facebook page. Uh, you can watch the whole highlight package over there for free. Down at Volusia Speedway Park in Florida, the 2024 Word of Outlaws Late Model Series season gets going tonight with the Sunshine Nationals. They should have a big field of cars, and the full-timers list grew yet again. On Wednesday evening, the Outlaws announced that Iowa driver Daniel Hilsebeck has signed on as driver number 19. He brings his number 22 capital chassis to the Outlaws after finishing fourth in the MLRA standings a year ago. Hilsebeck joins an already stout rookie class that includes Tristan Chamberlain, Parker Martin, Max McLaughlin, Cody Overton, and Dustin Sorensen. And in looking at Kevin Kovac's preview piece, uh, preview piece at Dirt on Dirt, it looks like Tanner English is signed up as well. But as we talked about previously, he's clearly hedging his bets at the moment between the two national tours. So unless something happens today, we're at 20 right now signed on with the Outlaws. A year ago at this event, Devin Moran swept the two races that they were able to complete, while Bobby Pierce and Hudson O'Neill were winners during Dirt Car Nationals action. Uh, besides the newly signed on Outlaw regulars, some other names to expect this weekend include Jimmy Owens, Max Blair, Tim McCready, Ricky Thornton Jr., Ashton Winger, uh, Moran, Mike Marler, and a lot more. So a lot of big names will be at Volusia, uh, Volusia this weekend. If you're not headed to the racetrack, as is true with all of the Outlaw races, you can watch live over on Dirt Vision. All right, with the current racing stuff done, join me down a Dirt Late Model history rabbit hole, won't you? I know a lot of you probably remember this, but my knowledge of it was pretty shaky at best. I was not nearly as plugged into uh, dirt racing back then as I am now. But those early to mid-2000s in dirt racing were probably the most pivotal in this current era we find ourselves in now. Almost everything we have at the moment can effectively be traced back to call it 2002 to 2006. We've talked on the show about the sprint car stuff, but I wanted to dive into the late model side of things that were happening at that time because I think there are a lot of parallels to what we see happening right now. Back last Thursday, Jeremy Elliott posted an interview video with World Racing Group CEO Brian Carter to his Sprint Car Unlimited YouTube channel. I tuned in because I was curious mostly about what Carter had to say about the current state of sprint car racing. You know, all the high limit outlaw stuff. About 14 and a half minutes deep, Jeremy asked Carter about the mistakes he's made at World Racing Group, and Carter said he may air some dirty laundry with his answer, but got into the story of the company's purchase of the Stacker 2 Extreme Series towards the end of the 2004 year. 
This actually happened before the company was World Racing Group. It was still boundless at the time. And Carter wasn't CEO yet. He was still CFO at that point. As Carter tells it contractually, the year-end point fund for Stacker 2 was not their responsibility to pay in the process of buying the Dirt Late Model Series, even though they did end up paying out the fund, he says, a month later. Earl Pearson Jr. was the 2004 Stacker 2 champion, and the uncertainty at the time led Pearson to start looking elsewhere, and that move of not paying the point fund helped lead to the beginning of what was to become the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. Carter said, quote, it was one of those mistakes like we probably should have paid it and we probably should have sorted it out behind the scenes. But at the same time, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars and it cost me the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, I believe. Earl Pearson and the guys took 30 days to get their point fund money and that created a level of distrust. That's a pretty big mistake and that's airing out some real laundry people may not know now almost 20 years later, unquote. Hearing Carter talk about the story reminded me of listening to current Lucas Series Director Rick, uh, Rick Schwally on Michael Rigsby's podcast a few years ago, and Schwally talked about the other side of this exact situation. After that season ended and the point fund and the banquet for Stacker 2 were in question, Schwally got all of those series teams together at the Hyatt in Indy around the PRI show to talk about a potential future. With the issues around Boundless, they decided they could put something together on their own and eventually approach the very new NARA series about combining and putting a tour together for 2005. NARA and Earl Pearson Jr. already had Lucas connections, so they got Forrest Lucas and the oil company involved and they eventually put a full season of races together. They went to Speed Weeks in 05 as the Lucas Oil NARA, but by uh, Charlotte in April, it had officially become Lucas owned and the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series that we know today. In that podcast with Schwally, Rigsby also talked about Doug Bland, who owned the Stacker 2 series before Boundless bought it, and I went back and listened to uh, Rigsby's interview with him as well. Before 2004, the Extreme Dirt Car series was effectively the top late model tour in the country. Bland had purchased the UDTRA in 2002, he brought Speed Channel in in uh, 2003, so they had a TV deal, and then he signed the, st uh, the Stacker 2 sponsorship deal. Bland had visions of turning dirt late model racing into a much bigger deal, having come from the NASCAR and IndyCar world, and he was well into his plan of doing so. If you remember, remember back from some of the Boundless stuff, the Boundless guys had the same idea for all of dirt racing. 2003, though, was effectively the final year we had just one series on top in dirt land model racing because for 2004, the world split over tires. Bland was looking to rein in the tire stuff and the cost, and he signed Goodyear to an exclusive deal for 2004. While Hoosier partnered with Boundless to create the World of Outlaws late model series, bringing in Scott Bloomquist and Steve Francis, Rick Eckert, and a bunch of uh, top guys to form the Dirty Dozen. Everyone picked a uh, side and things got pretty ugly from the sound of it. A quick side note here, if you haven't watched the 2004 season and review video for the World of Outlaws late models, I would recommend doing so. It's on Dervision in the Vault. It's about 20 minutes of race clips, different songs based on the driver. There's just no context. There's no talking, there's no words on the screen, just music and light models. It's almost a tad unhinged. And I'd show you a clip here, but I'd get dinged for copyright based on the songs, but go find it and watch. And my apologies to anyone who might be watching this who had a hand in making that video. This isn't an attack on you, just looking at a 2004, uh, 2004 video through a 2024 lens. But back to the drama. Uh, later in 2004, in the midst of all of this late model ugliness, Boundless and Bobby Hartsleaf approached Bland about acquiring the Stacker 2 series. Boundless was trying really hard to effectively own all of dirt racing, and after buying dirt from Glenn Donnelly in the Northeast and the Word of Outlaws from Ted Johnson, they could again unify late model racing with this deal. So late in 04, Bland sells the Stacker 2 series, 
uh, leaves Dirt Late Model Racing forever. And Boundless also gets United Midwest Promoters, aka UMP, from Bob Sargent and Kenny Schrader. So it would appear that they had it all again. But that was until the point fund wasn't paid uh, immediately after the season. And then the Stacker 2 guys decide to strike out on their own, create a series. And here we are 20 years later with still two competing national tours on the late model side. And we're on the precipice of watching the first season of two national sprint car uh, tours since, you guessed it, 2005. It's just one big damn circle. Hope you enjoyed the uh, history lesson. That's the daily show for this week. We'll see you guys back here on Sunday. (laughs) 